0: the following audios from the chapel at fishhawk more information about the chapel at fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org how are you this morning <laughs> fabulous if you're new my name is Ryan and I'm your pastor welcome we welcome skeptics sinners and saints which is sometimes me all in the same day so uh We're talking about heaven today. I'm super fired up. For those of you who did not get a bulletin, we're going to have live Q&A that's going to go on during the offering time at the end. So there is a number right there. If you have questions, you can text them anytime during the service to that number. If you do not have a mobile phone, just reach over slowly to your neighbor and steal theirs but then give it back after you're done texting. Um, If you don't have access to a phone, you want to ask a question, you'll be able to just ask a question during the offering time at the end, because heaven is one of those subjects that we don't talk about a lot, and when we do, it sometimes, to me, seems like we miss the mark of what the Bible has to say about it. And I think, if I'm going to go out on a limb here, that most of us are here on in some level because we love God and we we want to be in the happy place rather than the bad place right because if if that's not part of your decision making I mean that's usually how they got kids to believe in Jesus in the olden days literally scaring the hell out of them so today, if you are not a follower of Jesus, if you're new to this thing, I'm going to be leaning on the Bible heavily, and, I, and today I don't have time to, to go about why I believe the Bible is an authority, but that's, that's another sermon. But if you have questions, please come up afterwards and talk to me. We can have that conversation. Because this, this concept of heaven is something that uh, I love. I, I told someone today, I said, today I get to preach about my second most favorite topic. And they said, heaven. I said, and then they said, what's your first? And I said, Jesus, obviously. Today, we get to talk about eternity. Now, who here has ever thought about heaven and thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to be bored to tears? Nobody? Okay, just a couple people. Who in here has thought, what in the world am I going to do in heaven? Okay? Who in here has thought, will I finally like my spouse in heaven? (laughs) That was a trick question. That was a trick question. All I saw was a couple husbands like this and the wife like, just stop. No, I'm just kidding. How many of you have ever wondered if your dog's going to be in heaven? I'm not going to answer that today because I don't want to get hate mail. Okay. Here's what we need to know about heaven. I need to pray because I'm getting so excited. I'm getting ahead of myself. So let's, let's pray. Father, in heaven, all glory and honor be to your name Lord, we pray that today you would give us a glimpse of heaven, that you would give us a taste of heaven, and that it would be informed by your word and not just by our whims, that we would think of eternity in light of what scripture has to say and not in light of what our hopes merely are. God, we need wisdom this morning, help your words to shine through and bring hope to those who need it. to encourage those who are down. Give us eyes to look forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Just a heads up, Corey. I, I feel like I might be getting louder today, and I already hear my mic is hot, so I'm just warning you. It's a forewarning. Satan was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. This is John 8:44. Because there is no truth in him, when he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Satan has a plan to thwart your view of heaven. This is why at funeral after funeral that I have attended, people will come up and say something to the effect of, we are so sad that little Johnny is gone, but God has gained another angel. And being the particular person that I am, I just want to object, no, he has not. Mostly because he he has not gained another angel when somebody dies, whether they're a believer or not, we don't become angels and we shouldn't want to become angels because The angels look at what we have and say, I want that. I want what the sons and daughters of God have. So we should not want to do that. But Satan will spin heaven. Satan has spun it to be a a big pile of clouds in the sky. And when we die in every cartoon, what do we get? Wings and a harp and a halo. If we're playing the harp for 10,000 years, that does not sound like heaven to me. There's only like two harpists in the world that would enjoy that. The guys that play drums would be looking for a way out, ASAP. But Satan will twist and he blasphemes and, and not only against God. Revelation 13:6, and I'm gonna be all over the place today, so I apologize. I'm not gonna put a bunch of scripture on the on the board. Revelation 13:6 says that the beast opened his mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming, speaking against. God's name and God's dwelling place. So Satan has a plan to lie to you and to me about God's dwelling place. Satan wants us to think wrong things, not only about God and about God's people, but about where God dwells. Now, knowing this from the get-go, that there is somebody who's, whose purpose, whose mission statement, whose resume objective is, I am going to lie about God, his people, and where he dwells. We should be cautious Every time we approach a movie like 90 Minutes in Heaven or Heaven is for Real or Seven Minutes in Heaven, wait, no, it's a different game. Never mind. I'm just seeing who's with me in middle school. Okay, that's all. That's all. The middle schoolers are like, what? I'm talking middle school in the 90s, baby. There's a being, though, who is seeking to thwart us. So every time a book like that comes out, every time a magazine article comes out, I went to heaven, I came back. I went to hell, I came back. My first automatic response is, I know that there's a being whose job description is spread lies about God and his place. So I'm, I'm going to turn on my skepticism to level 10. Usually my skepticism hovers at a level 9.8. But when I see something that feels shady, I crank it all the way up to a 10. And I want to compare what they say to God's word. Now, today, I'm going to let you know, the Bible does not say a lot about heaven. So I've tried to take as best I can the pictures in the scripture about heaven and draw out what we can, knowing that we started in a garden that was without sin, and we are ending in a city that is without sin, and we're going to look at what that city looks like. Now, before some of you do this to me, because I get this every time I've talked about heaven, to men's groups, church gatherings, Bible studies, someone always comes up by the end and they say, hey... You can't really tell us about heaven because in 1 Corinthians two nine it says, clear as crystal, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. That's a common thing. You talk about heaven, they say, no, you can't imagine what God has prepared. So don't even, don't even go there because we can't even imagine it. And one of my favorite things as a pastor that I love saying is keep reading. It's one of my favorite things to say because oftentimes, People will take a verse out, you copy and paste it, and you you don't read the very next verse. The very next verse, after it says, no one can see or imagine what God has prepared, the very next verse says, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. So the very next verse is, we will get to know some of these things now because we have the Spirit. If you don't have the Spirit, you probably won't get to know these things. But if you have the Spirit of God, the Bible has given us things. There's another verse also in Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord. So people tell me oftentimes there's an objection to preaching about heaven. You can't talk about heaven because those are secret things, they belong to God. But then once again, I say keep reading because there are secret things that belong to the Lord, but the very next line, the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of the law. Now, with that being said, the Bible is not a detailed book about heaven. And any answer I give today that is not rooted in Scripture or from principles in Scripture, you are more than welcome to push back on. I've read every verse about heaven in the Bible so many times this week because I wanted to be prepared for the crazy questions that you could toss at me. And we're going to jump in now to Revelation 21 and this will be up on the board for us. I'm going to read. We're going to read a lot, so bear with it. Focus. I want you to turn on your imagination stations between your ears. Flick the gerbil, give them some coffee, get them moving. Revelation 21, select verses. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Everyone say, ah. And I saw the holy city, Jerusalem, coming out, so we start in a garden, eating fruit, walking around, Adam and Eve. They blow it. All of humanity gets put under the curse of sin. God sets out a redemption plan. But that picture, those first two chapters, we have the only picture of life before sin broke things in the Bible. And then we get all the way to the last couple chapters of the Bible when we see that The tree of life that was in the Garden of Eden, the ones that said, God said, we've got to kick them out because we don't want them to eat of the tree of life and live forever because God does not want us to live forever with sin breaking down the world. So he put the cherubim to guard, kicked Adam and Eve out, began the whole pointing to redemption. That tree of life is in the middle of the city of God, the city of God in Revelation, this city that's coming out of heaven right now. Now, for those of you who are city people, who loves cities? Like if you could live in a city urban center, who loves that? I figured we'd only have a few and they'd all be under 25 because we're in the burbs after all. The suburbs are the escape from the city. That's why we came here. We looked at the school ratings in the city and we moved to the suburbs. But God loves the city. This city, as a matter of fact, is 1,300 miles long. 1,300 miles long. 1,300 miles Vertical, 1,300 miles up and down. So it's a giant cube that would span from Florida to the middle of Texas, up to South Dakota, over to Maine, and back down. And not only is that the footprint of the city, it's also that tall. So it goes up into what would currently be unbreathable space. So if you hate the city, be very afraid. Although I think the transit will be better in heaven, just my personal thoughts. But this thing about the city of God is that the dwelling place of God will now be with men. And I've got to say something right from the get-go. When we die, if you are in Christ, we, uh, we say they went to go to heaven. That's commonly what we say. But did you know that this heaven that we're reading in Revelation 21 is not the heaven where people go if they die today? There is something that the Bible refers to, it's referred to as paradise, it's referred to as Abraham's bosom, it's not a word we use very often anymore, bosoms. It's also referred to in theological world as the intermediate heaven, and it's not purgatory. There is no spiritual treadmill to run off the rest of your dirty junk. Jesus cleaned that up if you are in Christ. But we don't actually get to go to the place where there's gold streets, So when I'm at a funeral and I'm not officiating it and someone says, they're dancing on gold streets. Once again, I'm like, no, they're not. I don't say that because that would just be me being a jerk, but they're not dancing on gold streets. They may or may not have a harp and for sure they're not an angel because the gold streets are when the old heaven and the old earth are passed away. They're purged by fire and they're remade to a brand new heaven, a brand new earth without the effects of sin on them. So where does everyone go today? I wore a tie today because I love heaven. And I thought, I've always had this dream, and it would be horrifying for all of you, but I have this dream that when I go, it would be while I'm preaching. So I dressed up today, just in case. I don't wear suits because I only wear those when other people die or get married. But, but I've thought about This moment of what it would be to see God in heaven and what do we learn about heaven from his word so here's what we know about the the heaven from this passage God will wipe away every tear and I believe that there are probably still tears of joy but he is wiping away tears of sorrow because it's the context of this wipe away every tear because death will be no more and there shall be no more mourning anyone ever get tired of crying those days those nights those weeks or years when you literally have cried so much into your pillow you can't cry anymore and your pillow is literally saying, please stop it. Those moments where your spouse or friends don't know what to say anymore. Those moments, and some of you know who you are. You get that cry face. I'm a, I'm a pretty crier, I think. But some people are ugly criers. I'm talking about the ugly criers. There's no more of that. Seriously. The sadness that grieves your heart when you lose a loved one here. And it is okay to weep here. Jesus wept when he walked this world so we know that weeping is not a sin weeping is the effect of sin on our lives god's going to wipe away the tears similar to psalm 56 8 it says god collects our tears in a bottle or in the older versions he collects our tears on a scroll so he keeps a record of our sorrows and he's going to wipe them away this city i'm not going to read the next portion but the, it, the revelation 21 goes on to say that the city was four square in length three, 1380 miles this way this way and this way It had 12 gates with pearls as the entire gate. It will have. And in the middle of this city is God's presence. There is no night in the city of God because God's presence is the light. There is no need for sun or moon because God's glory will give us light to walk by. I mean, I am so fired up for this moment. But this place does not exist yet. You want to know what does exist, however? intermediate heaven and in the famous words of one of my heroes Gandalf Graham death is just another path one that we all must take because if you die today that city is not yet created because God will wipe out this world this universe these stars they will get purged and remade that's how you'll know when the new city is coming down to rest among men right now when we pass away We will be in the presence of God. I believe this because Philippians 1, 21 to 23, Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, this means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ for that is far better. So Paul knows if I die now, I'm with Christ. But we also know that the new heaven, new earth is not yet a thing. So where do we go? What does that look like? The Bible refers to this moment I believe in in the parable of Lazarus and the rich man There was a rich man at a table and he had a servant named Lazarus who was begging for scraps and when they died it said that Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom and the rich man went to Hades where he was tormented in that place of torment and this is from Luke 16 if you're taking notes we can learn a few things about life in the afterlife. Now, parables are not meant to be uh, Western-analyzed stories like we tend to do with everything. Parables are meant to be stories that teach a lesson, but I believe that in the parables we can learn some of what God's future kingdom is, is going to look like or God's present reality. So in that, we know this. The rich man cries out. So we know he has a physical capacity to cry out. We know that he was hot because he asked for a drop of water to quench his tongue. So he was thirsty. So in the afterlife, for good or for bad, we can potentially have thirst. Things like liquid exist. For those of you who thought you just become a willow-of-the-wisp spirit, and all you do is fly around and sing kumbaya for 10,000 years, you are going to have a physical nature in heaven, a physical body. You're going to look somewhat like you look today. Because sin has broken things down, however, you're going to look, I believe, what you would look like if sin never existed in your life. Because Jesus was resurrected and his disciples recognized him. If you're wondering what happens to your hairline in heaven, I think that heaven is the ultimate hair growth for men. (laughs) Seriously. You won't recognize people. Yes, Chris, I will have a beard in heaven in Jesus' name. Uh, He he was giving me beard envy. I have this massive beard complex because this is all that I get as an Asian sidebar. I'm hoping I am hoping. I love that we have these moments here and on Twitter. <laughs> He's my only Twitter friend here. We get bodies, and our bodies have a destiny and a destination. Heaven or hell, paradise or Hades. In the intermediate heaven, there is comfort for those who are in Christ, whose faith are, is in Jesus. In the intermediate Hades, there is already torment. It is not the final destination. There is an ultimate lake of fire. And I think that we would really um, do ourselves a disservice if we took Heaven without hell, but hell's a different sermon. I'm not going to do hell today. But I want you to know that Jesus talked about hell a lot. He talked about hell because hell is the inevitable destiny and destination for those who aren't in him. For those who don't place their faith and trust in him to wash away their sin. Paradise. The word for paradise means an enclosed garden, cultivated and beautiful. I think those of you who have a green thumb right now are probably going to be in charge of some of this. Those of you who kill things right now, good luck. You cannot kill things in heaven. Isn't that the best? I think it's exciting. Every time I get through a day and my children are alive, I think I've brought a little bit of heaven to earth. The rich man in this parable sees his relatives. From where he's at, he sees his brothers and says, can you at least send somebody to tell my brothers so that they will turn? And he is told in that parable, we we cannot go there they have the prophets and the law to tell them they've got the bible to tell them if they won't believe the bible they won't believe us so you have to ask where is heaven now how can this rich guy in the parable see his people where is it in this moment is it up surely not down if it's up how high up 10 feet up how high did jesus ascend before he went out of sight I love, um, this is like super nerdy, so I apologize to all of you except for the three nerds with me. So the whole concept of string theory, I was reading all about it this week again, there's a, a give or take based on the, the scholars at Yale and Stanford and these highfalutin schools, there's 11, 12 currently, it changes all the time, unseen dimensions that exist according to their theories of, of how matter is working together and antimatter. So I was thinking about this, what if the intermediate heaven is simply one of these dimensions? Because we do know that angels can appear and then disappear, that Jesus could walk through walls. Maybe he wasn't walking through walls. Maybe he just opened one of the doors, the sixth dimension in string theory. Okay, that's way too nerdy for you guys. But isn't that cool to think about? All the nerds say amen. So the nerds sit over here mostly. It's good to know. So you guys, my favorite people, what's next is judgment will come. When we die, we face the judgment of faith. Did you believe the gospel of Jesus, that Jesus was enough for you? Is Jesus your only hope for life and salvation? This is the first judgment. When you die, it's, are you in Jesus, are you not? That's it. In Jesus, you're going to paradise. When Jesus said, today I'll be with you in paradise, Jesus met that man there, Abraham's bosom, paradise, intermediate heaven, the in-between place until all of this earth is wrecked and built anew. The final judgment happens At the end, after the beast has brought more destruction and God says, it is time to end this thing. In Revelation 20, it says that they grabbed the serpent, chained him up, and threw him in a pit. I believe that the pit right now, the bound Satan, depending on your view of of end times, but the bound Satan is is the picture of Satan being bound now because Jesus went to heaven. He, Spartacus, kicked the gates of hell in. He won. He won. So now we are waiting for his return. Upon his return, we will all go through the, to the great white throne of judgment. This is the one where we see in cartoons and the movies, God says, what have you done with your life? And he weighs our works. But for those of us who already passed the judgment of faith, for who, who died and came to him, it is not a heaven or hell moment. God's not going to say, well, I let you into intermediate heaven, but that was only an intermediate pit stop. Now you're going to the bad place. That'd be like when you have layovers in Houston during the summer. It It will be God saying, what did you do with what I gave you? For those of you who are in Christ, and he gives us rewards. In heaven, you get rewards. And here's the cool thing about heaven. You get rewards, but you won't be jealous that someone else has a bigger pile of rewards. I don't know what that looks like just yet. Because in this life, this life has a little bit of both heaven and hell. That's why we pray, Lord, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our job as believers is to give people a taste of God's heavenly economy in the midst of this world that also has a taste of hell. Because when we, for example, see pain, when somebody gets in an argument, and they hit their spouse or their kids, or they demean others, or gossip or divide when they're greedy, that's them bringing a, a piece of hell into this earth. And vice versa, when we bring love and grace and forgiveness, when we embrace our enemies, we're bringing a piece of heaven to earth. At that great white throne of judgment, God will say, What did you do with what I gave you? Did you bring heaven to earth? Did you love the poor? Today, if you saw the giant tables, we have a group that's going out, and we're going to start doing this every fifth Sunday unless somebody gets like severely damaged, but we're going to go out and feed the, the homeless today in Tampa with some ministry partners. If you signed up, I'm super pumped that you guys get to experience this because Jesus said, give water to the thirsty and food to the hungry. Jesus didn't say that we have to guess their motives. He said, just give water and food. If you haven't seen, our pantry is stocked. I think we've got 12 kits that are there, right? 12 kits? 12 kits. And that is a pre-made meal with a gift card to a grocery store so that if someone that you know is in need, if someone is saying, I can't pay my electric bill or my food bill or my water bill, I can't pay one of those, grab a bag and drop it off at their house. Or if you want to be really kind, use the gift card and buy the recommended items to complete the whole meal. It's really well done. If someone needs more food, clean out the entire thing. And then we will get it refilled again with your generosity. Because... Jesus said, care for those who are in need. And you may be thinking, well, somebody is in way more need in the Philippines or in third world countries and villages in India. Yes, this is true. And I believe we should help them. But I've also come to learn over the years that that we cannot help everybody. Or how does the saying go? Everybody, somebody cannot help everybody, but everybody can help somebody. And that's what we want to strive to do each day so that when we come before the great white throne of judgment, We will have our works weighed, and we won't be like the person in Corinthians who says they escaped into the gates, but as through fire, so they brought nothing with them into heaven, which I think will still be pretty cool, because I'd rather be in heaven in just my boxers than in the other place, right? Okay, so bodies and souls. Humans are physical, spiritual beings. We are made up of body and soul here today, and we will have bodies and souls for all of eternity you will be able to run in heaven faster than you run right now. Especially if you're over the age of 18. You'll, you'll be able to see like you used to see. I won't need these in heaven because death, the degradation of cellular structure, is part of death. Loss of hair is part of death. Disabilities are part of sin, not the individual sin, but global sin, the way that sin has infected the world So, for example, when somebody is born with a tragic illness or disease with cerebral palsy or Down syndrome, you may not be able to speak to them in this life. I believe that when the effects of sin are reversed, because the the revelation goes on to tell us and other passages tell us that in heaven, none of the accursed things are present. There is no more sin in heaven. So all of the things that broke our world, the things that caused cancer, the things that caused disease, the things that caused blindness, the things that caused deafness, the things that when Jesus came, he reversed, which is why when he he touched the, the lame man's hand, what happened to it? It was healed. When he healed the blind man, he could see. This is where I'm implying what heaven will be like, because heaven was brought to earth by Jesus. When Jesus took the paralyzed man and said, walk, that's why I believe there will be no paralyzed people in heaven. When Jesus took the the lame boy and healed him, that's why I believe there are none of those diseases. If you have a relative, a friend, a child who has suffered from one of those, you may very well have the first conversation with them that you've ever had in heaven. I mean, talk about, I, I just got the goosebumps thinking about it. The first time you get to sit down with somebody that you've longed to talk to, that you poured love and care into, and they just, walk up to you, and you had never seen them walk. And they say, hey, let's go hang out. I know a spot. Because heaven is not just a place in the clouds. It says that there are streets and gates. It says that there are places outside of the gates, and there are kings that bring stuff into the gates that give glory to God. So some of you may be thinking, like, when you hear, there's no more night. Yes, there's no more night in the city of God, but Was there night in the creation originally? Yes, there was. God created light and darkness, day and night. So I know that night is not sinful, but in the imagery of Revelation, we have to know that Revelation is a tricky book to interpret. Sometimes they are using words to point to things like sin. So people sin under the cover of darkness. It's just like cockroaches. The worst things come out when you can't see them. And it's our lives too. When no one's looking, that's probably when you tend to sin the most, when you think you can get away with it. But God, in the city, will be constantly lit. But you can go out through the gates on the north, east, south, and west of giant pearl gates. Just go out the gates, and there's going to be a world, a world unmarred by sin. There's going to be a world that is what Eden was and what Eden was supposed to be. Is going to be perfectly made new in the city. So we have fruit trees. We have eating and running and we were going to enjoy each other's presence, have perfect relationship with God. We could walk with God in the garden, and now we're going to be able to walk with God in the cities. We're going to be able to walk with each other. We're going to know each other perfectly and not have any pride or jealousy, not have a twinge of anger toward anybody that's there with us. And, coolest part, we're going to be able to recap things that we did on earth. I think that's hilarious. Because sometimes here, we make some pretty foolish decisions, but there's going to be no sin in heaven. We're going to walk together and just talk about what we did. I'm going to talk about how I had this severe beard envy, and I'm going to talk through my Viking blonde beard. I'm going to get it dyed in heaven. I don't dye my hair here because it doesn't seem safe to dye my face. This is the moneymaker, you guys. In heaven, it will be. So... Heaven, we will be able to talk to God. The martyrs in Revelation 6, 9 to 11, they cried out to God and God answered them. I know some of you, some of you were born. You don't have a skeptic bone. You've got a skeptic skeleton. You've already got an Excel spreadsheet of questions for God. I think the vast majority of those will be answered when you see him in person, just beholding his beauty, seeing who he is. But I think there will be a time to ask people questions. I've got questions for people all throughout history that I believe have died and gone to be on with the Lord. God will answer our questions. Revelation 6, 9 to 11, at least he answers the questions of the martyrs. The martyrs remembered what was happening on earth. The martyrs looked and longed and prayed for those who were going to be martyred on earth. So the heaven that exists right now, the people that are looking down, at least some of them have the ability to pray for us now, this doesn't mean that I think we should pray to saints. I'm not, uh, I'm not this person who's going to say, like, never do it, but you probably, I don't know why you would when you could pray to Jesus. That's, that's my answer. When I talk to my, my Catholic friends um, and we, we get to this, you're like, well, I just love this aspect of my faith, and I ask them all the time, why do we pray to those people when you could pray to the guy who made those people? Why do we turn to someone for help who once was as feeble and weak as you? Why don't we turn to somebody who lived the perfect life and died the death for you and has all the power in the universe at his disposal? So in heaven, will we see down here? I believe we will because of that passage in Revelation 6, 9 to 11 from the martyrs. We remember what's going on, but all sin will be undone. Now, here's a tough one for me. Jesus said in Matthew 2, 22, 30, for in the resurrection, then they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. So this is Jesus talking about people being married in heaven. We aren't going to be married to our spouse in heaven. Does anyone else feel that, like that's weird? All the single people are like, yeah, welcome to my world. <laughs> Some of the married people are like, rejoice, and you're singing on the inside. Some of you are like, wait, but will I still like them? Y- yes, you're not going to become a worse human being in heaven. You're not going to have this great marriage and get to heaven and be like, well, I had my fun with you. See ya. But we will not be married. We're going to be individual beings who collectively are loving God and one another together. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if anybody has texted me the sex question yet. If you don't text it, I'm not going to answer it because it makes me have the heebie-jeebies. Heaven is our home. I'm going to end with this before we go to the Q&A and offering my, my wife grew up in one house her whole life. I, I did not, but I've seen her eyes lately because her parents are selling their house to move to the pre-intermediate heaven known as Tampa, Florida, which I'm excited about because it's free babysitting. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, if you, if you put on Miranda Lambert's song, the the house that built me near my wife right now, especially if you've heard this and you know that it would cause my wife pain, I will punch you in the throat. Because there is a sense for my wife and my mother-in-law and my father-in-law that that is home, that it's the safe place, that it's the place where you are meant to belong. Some of you may not have that in in a physical building. Some of you have that in the embrace, maybe of a group of friends, or when you walk into a group of friends, you feel totally loved and accepted. It's like where you belong. I try to cuddle with my kids so that they treat me that way. I'm like, I want to be where you belong. Jackson's getting too cool for that now. And he's getting so tall, it just gets awkward. Looks like I'm hugging a little grown man. and kissing him. He won't let me kiss him when I drop him off anymore. I think that's a little bit of hell on earth. But I'm going to see him when he's a grown up and we're walking the streets of gold again after we spent thousands of years in intermediate heaven in bodies somehow and then jesus is going to whip up our old bodies put us together and i'm going to go out and adventure on mountains i'm going to feel every moment of every day that i'm where i belong i'm going to see those who are in christ and rejoice and by some miracle by some power of god and his wisdom I will not be in sin when I think of those who I was close to in this life that did not place their faith and hope in Jesus because there is no sin in the new Jerusalem. So those are the questions that I have still. What will we do in heaven? We will eat and sing and have relationships. Isaiah 25 says that there's going to be fine wine and well-aged wine in heaven. I have got like 300 I told you so's coming pretty much everyone i was in seminary with at liberty university there's going to be meat with good marrow that just means tasty meat so if you're wondering wait if there's no death in heaven do i get meat yes ask me how i do not know but god did create things out of speaking them so if he can speak a universe into existence i'm guessing he could speak a 25 ounce bone in ribeye cooked to a perfect medium rare with a little bit of butter and salt and pepper on top he could speak that into existence (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sweetie, booked lunch for Ruth's Chris right now. <laughs> if you think you've tasted good fruit, you've tasted nothing yet. If you think you've had great wine, wait till it's unbroken by this world. In C.S. Lewis, is the last battle. They say, "I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here." This is the land I have been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. Come further up, come further in. Let's pray, then we'll get to the Q&A. Father, I thank you for the verses about heaven. Lord, it it just seemed to fly by. probably need to do a series on this, but um, today, God, would you speak your truths and give glimpses of your dwelling place to those here today? God, I pray for those who are more curious that they wouldn't stop their study, that they would uh, come steal my notes for the day or get an email to them, that they would pick up a book on heaven, that they would ponder and think deeply about heaven, that they would set their mind on the things above so that we would know going forward how we can live with hope and joy and trust because of the world that is to come. God, I thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.